here, and uh, we welcome you, certainly our first, second, third-time guest, and all of our home folks. God bless you, and thank you for being a part of what God is doing here. How many of you was at the first Wednesday? Ah, amen. November the 7th, we launched what we are calling First Wednesday Services, and our first Wednesday are going to be like that. Uh, Brother Tony Suarez just poured out his heart. Um, we had 290 people here on our first, first Wednesday, right at 300, so uh, let's give the Lord praise for that. And on December the 5th, we have Dr. David Cooper from the Mount Perrin Church of God will be here, so you want to mark your calendars. And of course, on the 2nd and 3rd and 4th, we have a life group going on here. We also have the Harbor Leadership Academy, and after the first year, we'll have the student ministries as well. So... We have more people signed up for life groups this semester than ever before. Uh, more than 70% of the adult population of the church is signed up for a life group. So thank you so much, and uh, God is just doing some wonderful things. Amen. Well, go ahead and praise Him. If you were to have trouble texting to give, we have updated software, and so I'm not 100% sure that that number was still working, but if you try that and it didn't, you can do it at the kiosk, or we can get that uh, new number out there. And I know that because I paid tithe online this morning uh, with the new number. So I had to set it up the first time. But anyway, so First Wednesday is amazing. It is, um, uh, it's just going to be great. Now, there's something I want to share with you. On First Wednesday, I got the data this morning. Josh just sent it to me. How many of you know that our video uh, streaming, I hope we're not videoing right now, are we? <laughs> Anyway, our video equipment is not the best in the world. Uh, to be honest with you, it is coming in on about a one, on a scale of one to ten. Uh, now, I'm not saying our content. I think our preaching, our singing, and all that is amazing. I think God is glorified, but our vi video quality absolutely stinks. You know what the problem with that is? The problem is that 95% of everybody who darkens the door of this church has checked us out and heard us sing or, or seen us preach or something on a video screen, whether it's an iPhone, Android, if you're not saved. Uh, no, I'm only teasing. I'm only teasing. Um, or, or a desktop, they've looked at us at home before they get here. And when we have a shoddy quality, because we're trying to shoot 40 feet with an iPhone and that just ain't working. And I don't like doing anything halfway. And so in our staff meeting, we got thinking, I mean, we've done all kind of upgrades and we do this and we do that. I said, you know what? The Christ's birthday offering this year, we're going to do a few things. We're going to upgrade our social platform across everything. Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Snap, all of it. We're going to upgrade that. We're going to make it cutting edge and the most user-friendly you've ever seen. I said, secondly, we need to get not only our preaching out there, but our singing as well. Amen? And it needs to be in good quality. So we can't put junk out there because that's what determines whether people are coming back. So on this birthday offering, we're going to do an update to our live video that goes across all platforms. We're going to do new website design and we're going to engage people. Now here's what you need to know about First Wednesday. I got the data this morning that over 3,300 people were reached with that low-quality video. Y'all with me? 
Now, I have preached some wonderful, dynamic messages, and others have too, and many people got saved and God was glorified, but could you imagine if that thing went out in HD and it was sharp and it was crisp and clean as a football game on Saturday? Are y'all with me? And it ought to be. This is God's work. So the deal is it's going to cost us about $20,000 to upgrade all of our stuff across the board. We got to buy equipment. We got to, uh, uh, we've already hired out uh, some of the design stuff. And so it's going to cost us about $20,000. I want to urge, you see, because Christmas is the time where it's Christ's birthday and we get all the gifts. <laughs> Y'all with me? For the most part, that's what it is. We, we buy each other gifts and that's way, I, I don't have no problem with that. That's great. But here's what I'm telling you. It's so important. Here's the why. Because your friends are looking at us right here before you ever get them through the door. And I, I was speaking with a family in my office just the other day. In fact, it was Howard, Mary, and Davis. They said, you know, before we came here, we pulled you up online and listened to two or three messages. We watched two or three. I'm surprised they came after that low quality. But anyway, they came. But it ain't that bad, but it's a long way from being excellent. And so I, I think our social presentation should match this edifice that we are having church in right now. It ought to look as good and be as good. Can you give the Lord a hand with me? Don't freak out. The offering's already been taken. I just wanted to tell you that you're going to start hearing that. There's going to be some cards in your seat and all of that, and we are going to receive a Christ's birthday offering. I want you to believe with me that it'll meet the needs. And if we raise that $20,000, and we will uh, at some point, if everybody will take part and do what God lays on your heart, by the mid-February or maybe even early February, we'll have everything tuned up and ready to go, which puts us in great position for Easter. Are you with me? Amen. I want to talk with you today, the Lord helping me about uh, our unshakable series. I don't have time to do a lot of prelims because time has a way of getting by. But we are in chapter 7 of the book Unshakable, written by Dr. Nelson Searcy, and, and I had the opportunity to write the forward. So we're talking today about uh, career challenges. Some of you have had career challenges uh, where you go to work and you've been there for 20 years and you get a pink slip that day and says you're laid off. Uh, or, or, or even worse, you're fired. Uh, whatever it is, uh, you have a situation. Or maybe you're in a different situation. Maybe you're working and working and all it is is a J-O-B. All it is is just paying the bills, but you don't have any meaning in life. I want to address that if I may. Thomas Edison said everything comes to him who hustles while he waits. And then Paul, the apostle, said work willingly at whatever you do as though you're working for the Lord rather than people. I try to tell our staff that, that everything we do, we need to do it heartily as unto the Lord, not for the pastor, not for, you know, a supervisor or whatever, but I need to work like I'm working for the Lord. I don't care if I'm digging a ditch or plunging a toilet or wiring a sound system. I need to do it like the Lord is right there and watching me because indeed he is. So here is a question that Nelson puts out in chapter 7, and he asked this, and it's important. Do you want to be what you have become? Do you want to be what you have become? And that's, that's a tough question. It's worth pondering for a moment. And, um, or would I rather be something else? Maybe I'm good at what I'm doing, but I just know that God is calling me to do other things beyond what I'm good at doing. Maybe I don't even want to do what God's calling me, but I just kind of like Jonah, I just can't get away from it. 
So does your life have meaning or worth? Or you, do you just seem to exist and hope the sun comes up in the morning and goes down tomorrow and uh, you just get by? Here's another question. Is there any meaning in life? Is there any purpose that outlasts this life? The older I get, and days are going by, man, just a few more, I'm going to hit 52 if the Lord wills and if the Lord tarries. But the question that troubled Leo Tolstoy is this, the Russian. He said, that which at the age of 50 brought me to the verge of suicide was the simplest of questions Living in the soul of every man, a question without an answer which one cannot live, as I had found in my experience, and here it was, what will become of what I'm doing today or what I shall do tomorrow? What will become of my whole life? Is there any meaning in life uh, that the inevitable death that awaits me will not destroy? And I believe that all of us, as you know, you're young and vigorous, and, and then as time goes by, I mean, you're just trying to impress the world, but then as you get a little bit older and you get a little bit older, I love to talk to men in their 70s, and they're just not really trying to impress anybody no more. They've sort of lived it, and uh, you know, they're not trying to, to show all of this and all of that. They're just real because they can see the end, so to speak. Are you with me? The great Russian author Leo Tolstoy said, listen, I've got all the wealth. The success, the fame, the family, uh, by anyone's standards, I have got it. But he possessed, you know, he says, um, a great sense of joy and accomplishments and, and purpose. I should have all of that, but I don't. And what plagued him, the one thing that haunts me is, is there any meaning in this life that my inevitable death that is coming will not destroy. Uh, he could not shake the feeling of his mortality that there is coming a day because you look at your high school annual and then you look at family pictures at Christmas and then go 10 years and then look at your reunion and look, you see what's happening? You were, you know, pretty and prettier and fine and finer and all of a sudden, man, we started hitting a curve, you know, and, and we were just buff and strong and all of a sudden, you know, you hear men saying, I, I can't do what I used to do and women, I can't quite shop like, no, I ain't heard one say that yet, but <laughs> they ain't got that old. <laughs> They'll get on a little rascal and roll or something, but anyway, uh, but, but Tolstoy's not alone in this sentiment. You see, for example, here in the United States, it's currently perhaps the most advanced culture in the world, the most affluent, the most comfortable culture, and we underappreciate it, to be honest with you. But at the same time, it's arguably the most depressed culture in the world as well, the most medicated culture, the most directionless culture in human history. Wow, pastor, are you, are you kidding me? No, no, look at people. Look at people that uh, they have everything, and you think money will fix it, but it won't. Look at Hollywood. There's people got all the money, all the fame, all the affluence. They, they're on Time Magazine. They're on this magazine. They've done this, and they've done that, and they're depressed, and they're medicated, and they're not happy, and they're wondering why I exist. And like Tolstoy, will anything last beyond the grave? Here's what I need you to know today. Everybody, every one of us has an idea or a definition in our mind of what success 
in life is and what purpose is, what, what is meaning. Now, the thing is, is what, what are you doing right now? And in your life is what you're doing adding meaning and purpose to your life. Are you actually fulfilling something that will extend beyond your sojourn on this earth? That's something to think about. So for you, what is it? Is it making more money? Is it making more friends? Is it having a bigger family, amassing a fortune, owning a home, a ranch, a farm, or an estate? What is it that would bring meaning to you? And what would be the earmark of success? And more importantly, would that last beyond your days here? We're talking about career, and we're talking about living our life and all of these things. So, so why is that important, Pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked. You know, you need to know and define what success is and what the purpose of life and the meaning is so that you don't get to the end of it and realize you spent your whole life on wrong things. You spent your life on things that were empty and hollow and to find that you pursued things that had no meaning and you lived for things that God cares nothing about, let alone that he detests. You lived your life for things that don't matter at all in eternity. That would amount to a life wasted. So we might have to just do a little introspection this morning and look at our own life and say, in my own life and in my own career, you may or may not be very successful. You may not be compensated well, or you may be overly compensated. I don't know. But does what you do bring meaning to you? And does it have significance? My dad used to say, son, if it don't matter in a hundred years, don't even do it. Yeah, uh, whoa, that's pretty deep, you know. Um, and so, you know, here's what the Bible said in Luke 12 and 15. Be, guard, or be aware and on guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by what you own. I'm glad of that, aren't you? It's not even measured by what you in the bank own. You see, he who dies with the most toys still dies. You know? Doesn't matter how much, how, how many four wheelers and motorcycles and RVs and golf courses and everything that you might own, Trump Tower, this and that. And that I don't care what you own, you still die. And what, what what's really in the balance is is what you did on earth. Will it live beyond you, or will it be over then? I've pondered that and I've thought that because I mean I've looked at the death of animals that I loved. I've looked at the death of people that I love, and all of a sudden when it's over. It seems like it's over, but for you and I who believe in Jesus Christ, resurrected from the dead, the first fruits of those who slept, we know that there is life beyond the grave. And I would like to think that what I'm doing in my career and what I'm doing in my life right now is going to add some value in eternity and outlive my pilgrimage here. Amen. So we can't do anything on our own. The Word says that in 2 Corinthians 3 and 5. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. You see, I'm the vine and you're the branches. He said, you can't do anything unless you're doing it inside of me. So here, what is it, pastor, that you want me to do today? I'm glad you asked that. I want you to take an open and an honest look at yourself. All right, y'all with me? An honest look at yourself. That means go to the mirror and be like me saying, go to the mirror and say, man, I got a head full of hair. Now, am I being honest? I know some of y'all got on sunglasses. Because... That is not honest. That would, you know, I walk to the mirror and say, you know, 
Man, I, I, I look like Arnold Schwarzenegger used to. That, no. That is not honest. I, I need you to let, uh, take an honest assessment of your life. Does my life have purpose? A purpose is simply a responsibility and a motivation or a reason. You see, as we examine ourselves this morning, I want us to take a look at what the preacher said. Not me, but Ecclesiastes. Here's what he said. Let me move through this quickly. He has a lot to say about meaning and success and purpose. He said, surprisingly, one of the most intriguing, most overlooked books of the Bible is Ecclesiastes. He says, meaningless, meaningless. He says, uh, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. This, is, this isn't something that most people expect to find in the Bible, but it's absolutely true. It's what Ecclesiastes said. The book or the rest of the book continues to make the case that there's actually no meaning in life and all things under the sun is meaningless. Wisdom and knowledge are meaningless and wealth is meaningless and pleasure is meaningless and life is meaningless and all is meaningless, he said. I don't know if Ecclesiastes, he was just having a bad day or what, but it made the Bible. It made the canon of Scripture. The Bible is on to something here, and I want you to get it. Imagine that you're on your deathbed, you're on death row. Tomorrow you die. There's nothing you can do today to change what's going to happen tomorrow. There's nothing you could do that will not be gone tomorrow. Death comes tomorrow. It is imminent. So here's the Bible's point. If this life is all that there is, if death is the end and there's nothing after, then there can never be any real meaning or purpose in this life. Because death would destroy it all. But Jesus said something intriguing. I am he that lives and was dead, and yet I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of hell. Amen? He is the first fruits of them that slept. And he said, not only did I arise, I brought all those who had died in the Lord. All the way from Adam, the, grave in, the graveyard in Jerusalem busted up and all the saints of old walked on the streets of Jerusalem with him before he ascended back to the Father. And then he says, I'm going to come back and get you. That where I am, there you may be also. You're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye, in a moment. So what I'm saying is this. It is not going to just end one day on the side of a hill where we lower your body down to this earth and they say ashes to ashes and dust to dust and all of that stuff. The Bible says the body goes back to the ground from where it came and the spirit goes back to God from whence it came. But one day the trumpet of the Lord will sound and the dead in Christ will get up and that spirit will meet that body and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So here's the deal. When you live this life, whatever you're doing, I don't care if you're a dishwasher. I don't care if you're a bottle maker. I don't care if you're a doctor and you do heart surgeries. What you need to understand is you need to work for the Lord in whatever career it is. Yes, you've got something to do for the kingdom of God. You might not be a pastor. You may not be on staff somewhere, but you're a Christian before you're a doctor. You're a Christian before you're a lawyer. You're a Christian before you're a bottle maker, a Christian before a street sweeper or a bus driver. Amen? So whatever it is, that career that you're in, make sure that there's meaning and there's purpose. If there's not, it's time to change. If it's not something that's going to outlast the grave. Man, I need to move on. 
Ecclesiastes doesn't stop there. He says this. He said, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. And then he says, except. It's kind of like but, you know. When someone says yada, 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 but, or if, it sort of negates everything that was just said. <laughs> Y'all with me? So Ecclesiastes said it's meaningless. It's meaningless. Wealth is meaningless. Women are meaningless. Men are meaningless. Oh, yada, 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 yada. Everything's meaningless except the fact that you and I are going to live beyond the grave. Amen. So according to prevailing worldviews, we're just here by chance. And all of a sudden something happened one day and boom, there we were. Man, if you think it takes faith to believe in God, try to believe in that junk. The book of Ecclesiastes and Christianity as a whole offers a, another perspective. Though life apart from God is utterly devoid of meaning. Life with God is brimming with purpose and possibilities. Amen. So it doesn't matter if you do the most humble job. Did you know what the most, the, the lowest basis job was in the old world? Be a shepherd. You know what King David was before he was king of Israel? A shepherd. Amen. To be a servant and I'm telling you, God sees us. Listen, God created us. You got to get this. If you don't get nothing else, God created mankind. He created us in his image, and he created us for a specific purpose. However, we rejected that purpose. You remember the story of Adam and Eve. Don't have time to go there. But God created mankind. He created us to do something. Now, here's what I want you to understand. There is an innate desire in us for God. Just as much as a little baby, she's born or he's born and he's crying. Why? He wants his mama. He has been there for nine months and he's been, you know, held upside down or whatever they do these days. Doc could tell us. And anyway, he's crying, but they lay him up on mama. Huh? And all of a sudden he's happy. You know why? And you and I, there is a built-in desire for God. Let me give it to you the way Lewis said it. I like what C.S. Lewis said. He said, all that we call human history, money, poverty, ambition, war, prostitution, classes, empire, slavery, the list goes on and on. It's a terrible story of man trying to find something other than God that will make him happy. Did you hear me? Man trying to find something other than God to make him happy. Kind of like that baby or somebody, you know, give him everything else. He wants his mama. Are you, uh, so watch this. The reason why it'll never succeed is this, that God made us, he created us uh, as a man would invent an engine and a car is made to run on petrol. It would not run properly on anything else. Try to put water in your gas tank and see how far you get. No, no, you see, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel that our spirits desire to burn. Our food and our, our spirits were designed to feed on him and nothing else. And you will never find happiness in the end or the bottom of a bottle of pills or, or, or fireball or whatever it is you do. <laughs> whatever you do, you're only going to find happiness and solitude in God because in Him we know when this life is over, we've just begun. Huh? Because, you know, I mean, I'm just telling you, we're all getting there at some point. I, I can't, I, I remember when 50 seemed so old, man. I mean, you're just like, like wretched and ancient and 
just, and now, Sister Marlene made my day. She said, I want to hold the door for you youngsters this morning, me and Kelly Kim. I said, bless your heart. I'm telling you. You see, why is this important? See, you, your life can have great purpose. Your life can have, listen to me, an eternal purpose. And it doesn't matter what your career is. It's, it's mattering who you serve. Because who you serve determines what happens in this life, not just this life, but when you're gone. As the creator of life, God knows what is best for you. He knows the only thing that can give you true meaning is God himself. You see, life beyond this world, the Bible says going to be no more crying, no more sorrow, no more tears, no sickness, no pain, all these things that's racked us lately. I have a good life. And eternity, and I can't even fathom that. You can't do it on a calculator. Even the most sophisticated one will return an error because we don't know about infinity. You know, the symbol, uh, it kind of looks like an eight on its side. You just, it just goes on forever. Amen. As a matter of fact, God, the Bible says, without beginning of days nor ending of days, without having father nor mother. I mean, it's inconceivable. I can't even comprehend the depth of God. Are you with me? Boy, I, I just blew somebody away. I, I need to move home. Look around you. Just look at Hollywood today. They're the most beautiful and wealthy and successful people in the world, they're plagued by drugs and depression and addiction and eating disorders and countless other destructive problems. They're looking for something. They're trying to run that engine on water. They're trying to run this engine that God created on something other than the Spirit of God that fuels us. Do you know what makes the body alive? The Spirit makes the body alive. And when the spirit's gone, then we're dead. Are you with me? Listen, history's proven over and again that money and sex and possessions and fame and all these things simply provide, you know, they, they don't provide the fulfillment that we desire. It's temporary. It's fleeting. Time and time again, people have learned that there are other things, uh, that those things, rather, don't do it. The only true thing. I, I, listen, I had a man here, I don't know, six months ago now, a dope head for 30 something years who was so addicted to, to meth and coke that he saw his daughter in a head on collision, literally crushed her entire left side. And because he had warrants for his arrest, he had to go before the cops got there, left her to die in the ditch. Somehow she made it, somehow she lived. And he got out of Dodge. Have to live with kind of stuff like that. But listen, here's what happened here's the grace of God. Two years ago on a December day, set him free from drugs. He said, I've never desired from meth no more. I've never desired to snort another line. I've never desired to shoot up again. I, he said, I've done it all. I have literally done it all, but I don't desire to do it anymore. Why? Because he has set me free. Where do you find him right now? I can promise you right now, he's at Family Worship Center in Cairo, Georgia, probably on a golf cart going to pick up elderly people, bringing them to the front door, or, or pregnant ladies or whatever. He's doing everything he can for the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, they baptized 18 people uh, a few months ago, and he personally won 15 of them to the Lord. <laughs> he had such a turnaround that the lawyer... The DA and the judge came to his baptism two years ago. Uh, they was on a first-name basis with him. They knew him, and they just couldn't believe that, that he had such a turnaround. I'm telling you, there is an alternative. You might be in a career today that you, it's just a job for you. you just, you're just struggling, 
and you say, you know what, maybe God's called you to something. I'm not saying everybody's going to do what I do uh, or, or go full time on some side. I'm not saying that at all. We have many people that have wonderful careers, but love God, work for God in local churches, uh, in, in groups and wherever they, they do. And some even speak and, and, you know, do conferences, whatever, they, whatever God has for them. But I want to tell you something. You look in that mirror today and be honest with yourself. And what I, is what I'm doing right now going to make any difference in eternity? Let me ask you this. Maybe it don't have to do with the line of work that you do at all, but what do you do for the Lord while you're there? Somebody told Adam the other day, man, the base pays you pretty good to do church work. <laughs> he said, well, I'm waiting on a job. I got to do something, right? That's all right. Get paid and do church work. Whatever it is, listen, here's how I, I want you to understand this. No matter what you do for a living, you're a child of God first. You're a Christian before you drive an ambulance. You're a Christian before you sweep a floor. You're a Christian before any of that. And I think that is something that we forgot in this country. That we have an allegiance to God before anything else. I want to ask you three simple questions as we close as it relates to what, what, maybe it's your career, what you're doing, but a real good question is, are you serving others? I can take you all through the Bible. I can take you to the happiest people that you could find, and I'll promise you here's a common denominator. They're doing something for other people. The more we think we're just loading ourselves up with huge blessings, it's, it's like pouring water into a bucket that's got holes all around it. When we keep trying to fill our own vessel, our own vessel, our own vessel, we get where we're going and we look and we have nothing left. It all leaked out. But whatever I invest into the kingdom of God, when I, when I genuinely care about you and you and you, when I'm doing the things that I need to do to bless others, that's what Jesus did. His entire ministry, his life was about others. And there's something about it, it plugs up the holes in the bucket that you're carrying for yourself. And when you get where you're going, you say, man, I ain't done nothing for myself, but the bucket is full. Why? Because God says, give, and it shall be given. He said, if you want to save your life, then lose it. Things work different in the kingdom of God. Well, are you serving others? Jesus said this, Matthew 23, the greatest among you will be your servant. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Are you growing others? Are you trying to help them? I asked a question a number of weeks back. It's a hard question, but it said, when's the last time you celebrated the person that got the job that you applied for? <laughs> that, that one will really, it'll test you. When's the last time you celebrated, congratulated genuinely the person who got the position that you wanted? And it just didn't work out. Have you ever considered it was not God's will that you got it? Have you ever considered that God's got something better just around the corner and you can't see it yet? We don't want, sometimes it's hard when we look at tough things like that. Here's what the Bible says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. The first commandment and the greatest. The second's like it. Love your neighbors yourself. All, listen, all, A-L-L, -L, all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Ooh, man, I could preach right there.
if I had time. Are you growing others? When you start investing in other people, I cannot explain the feeling of satisfaction and fulfillment. I'll tell you something. When I watch something, somebody that I've invested in, all of a sudden begin to rise up and mature. You, you take Josh, for example, Adam, for example, uh, Emery, Blake, different ones that's come through leadership and been around. And as you see God begin to use them and for them to step out from necessarily right under my arm to be able to lead ministries on their own and just all of a sudden start to navigate and know this is what God would have me. Growing into their own and seeing that, man, that's it. I don't know, it does something for me. Huh? It does something for me. To be able to, to go to HLA and watch 20 people last year and 22 people this year open their eyes and say, I sent our interns, AJ and Blake, I sent them for a budget meeting with Sister Tanya for about two hours. They come back and said, Tanya needs a raise. <laughs> Nobody knows. I had somebody call the church here and ask Josh, said, what in the world do y'all do up there all day? Come and see. It's a whole lot more to run the church than what you think. Amen. There's so many eight different systems, all kind of stuff going on. But here's what I'm saying. Do something in your life that's going to glorify God. And if whatever you're doing right now is killing you, listen, they told me years ago, there's two churches that you leave, the church you're killing and the church that's killing you. Are you with me? So I would just say that in the same way in careers and jobs, two of them you leave, the one that you're killing or the one that's killing you. Now, first and foremost, if you don't, if you're not serving the Lord, if you're not saved, you need to ask him into your heart. Say, Lord, I want to live my life for you so that when this is over, I can stand before you. More importantly, that I can live with you for eternity. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for you. And I know it's a little different message. We don't often talk about career and this and that and the other. But let me just ask you right now real quick. How many of you have some career concerns? Can I just see your hand? Is it? That's okay. There's a good number that says, I've got some career concerns. I, here's what I know, that God can lead you, guide you, direct you. And I want to tell you something, now, and I know I'm not, please don't take this the wrong way. It is not always a step up in the eyes of man that is the right thing. And well, in the eyes of man, it is always the right thing to do to take more money and yada, yada, yada. But I can tell you a couple of times in my life where it looked like I was stepping from here way down to here. But I knew in my heart that that was God's will. And what God did over time was bring me beyond where I ever was. So don't you worry about doing something for the Lord if, if he's in it. So let me pray for you. Father, all these hands that said I have some concerns about my career. I pray, Lord, first that we all know you, that if we've not accepted you as our personal Savior, we would just invite you into our heart because with the mouth, confession is made to salvation after the heart believes. So when we believe and confess, we shall be saved, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10. So, Lord, in that light, in whatever career we have, may we honor and serve you. And if we're in a career that's killing us or something that we're killing, God, give us direction. Give us the courage to make the move. Open the door that needs to be opened and close the ones that need to be closed. 
And I call that done in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand as our host comes.